Will Pope Francis and the Vatican approve same-sex unions at the Synod this fall? I'm joined today with my good friend, Father Juan Razo, and he, you might recognize him, he runs a very popular Catholic podcast here on YouTube, Conservando La Fe. You can see it right above his head. Make sure you subscribe. Father Juan Razo, welcome. Thank you, Taylor. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Father Juan, uh, Razo and I were we on a pilgrimage together. We were in Portugal, Fatima, Spain, uh, France. It was a wonderful time. Uh, Father Razo provided the traditional Latin Mass for us, and uh, he's a traditionally-minded priest, and he's going to help us today as we look at Archbishop Fernandez, who's the new prefect for the Dicastery for the Defense of the Faith in Rome. And some of that, some of that debate is around the Spanish. And we're, yep. going to, we're going to talk a little bit about Spanish today. We're going to look at the letter that Pope Francis sent to Archbishop Fernandez. We're going to look at an interview that, that Father Razo has that Archbishop Fernandez gave. How long ago was that? It was on July 5th. July 5th, in which he directly discusses same-sex marriages. So if you want to know the mind of Pope Francis, look who he just appointed to run doctrine. And then let's look at what that man said about same-sex unions, because this is the guy in charge of doctrine as we move into the Synod. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we also had this interesting um, appo appointments of who's going to be there. And, and here's that group of people. Uh, Diane Montagna reported this today that... Pope Francis has personally appointed as U.S. members of the October 2023 Synod on Synodality, Cardinals Blaise Supich, no surprise there, uh, Cardinal Wilton Gregory of D.C., who just shut down Latin Masses there, uh, Cardinal uh, McElroy out in San Diego, who's a big friend of James Martin, and then, oh, look, Father James Martin is in there, Cardinal O'Malley, uh, Etienne of Seattle, also named, so... Not surprised, but gravely disappointed. Yeah, I think so. You know, especially uh, the, this new Cardinal McElroy, he has publicly called for a radical inclusion, inclusion of, uh, you know, uh, the people from the LGBT community and uh, divorced and remarried. And uh, yeah, it is yeah. very troubling. Not good. Well, let's start with Cardinal Fernandez. Y'all heard me two days ago. That video already has over 100,000 views. Very popular. Here, here is the man. This is Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez from Argentina, an old friend of Pope Francis Bergoglio. And he wrote the infamous book, Heal Me With Your Mouth, The Art of Kissing. Is this a theology book that, that you studied? Father, you, you into this guy? No. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> no. And it has this famous, uh, this now infamous little poem in here. I'm going to read it again in case y'all missed my podcast on Wednesday. But this is Archbishop Fernandez. He's doing catechesis, he says, for teenagers. And he says, you don't notice inattentive, your lips murder. Your eyes don't notice, distracted, the wondering eyes. You are preoccupied before the divine flesh of your mouth. Weird. I didn't know women had, or men. What's going on here? Men or women? I don't know. Uh, 
that they had divine flesh. And you pensively miss with that open mouth while behind you remain the raving lunatics. Come on down, my dear, before you awaken suddenly someone desperate with a terrible hickey. How is God so cruel as to give you that mouth? There was no one who resists me, bitch. Hide it. I will kiss, I will kiss until you entirely blush. Now, I read the statement by Archbishop Fernandez, and he says, whoa, 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 I didn't write the word bitch in my poem. I put the word bruja, and I know a little Spanish, and I said on Wednesday, bruja means a witch. Right. You're fluent in Spanish. It's your mother tongue. Talk to us what a bruja is. Well, it's a witch, you know. Um, it is... Uh... I just can't understand how we can call theology that book, you know, that yeah. uh, kind of. He writing, calls it catechesis for or catechesis. Well, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, uh, to me, that is not catechesis, not talking about God, about the mysteries of God. It's just uh, a worldly uh, topic. And um, I don't know. To me, that is not catechesis at all. So, Father, as a Catholic priest, what would you be more alarmed about? a Catholic priest talking about kissing the divine flesh and leaving a hickey on a bitch or on a witch? What's more concerning? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very tough question. Yeah. I, I think it, it probably, you know, kissing a witch is, yeah. is, it, it would be even worse. You I'm, I'm going to say kissing a witch. If a priest is saying all these naughty, nasty things, and he's calling her a witch, which is technically someone who serves Satan. Yeah, right. You know, he tried to defend himself in an open letter on Tuesday saying, hey, I didn't say the word bitch. In Spanish, I said the word bruja. I said the word witch. Yeah, which, to, is, which is, they do not invoke the real God, the one true no. God. They invoke uh, demons. Yeah. That's the truth. So, uh, you know, it is horrible to think about kissing the mouth of a witch. And you're a priest. You're a priest, and you're saying these things. And he said in his statement um, that, well, this wasn't a manual theology. This was catechesis for teenagers. Excuse me, I have many teenagers. We just had lunch with my teenagers. Mm. I, I would not give that book about kissing divine flesh, hickeys, uh, you can't resist me. What is it again here? Um, oh, this is another theological problem. How was God so cruel as to give you that mouth? God cruel? <laughs> How can a theologian say God is cruel? There is no one who resists me, which this is, this is evil. Okay, so that's sort of the, the background to Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez, who will soon be a cardinal and will be overseeing doctrine for the entire Catholic Church. Father Juan shared with me yesterday a really troubling interview, and uh, Father Juan's going to give us that and give us some analysis. Yeah. Uh, Archbishop Fernandez was interviewed uh, by Info Vatican, and this article was published on July the 5th. You can go to Info Vatican website. If you, want, if you understand Spanish, you can go and read uh, the whole article. I would like to um, start by mentioning one of the questions he was asked. Uh, it says, in 2021, this dicastery affirmed 
that homosexual couples cannot be blessed. Do you agree? Okay, so this is his response. Look, just as I am firmly against abortion, and I challenge you to find someone in Latin America who has written more articles against abortion than I have, I also understand that marriage is, in the strict sense, is only one thing, that stable union of two beings as different as male and female, who in that difference are capable of generation, generating new life. There is nothing that can be compared to that, and using that name to express something else is not good or correct. At the same time, I believe that gestures or actions that may express something different should be avoided. That is why I think that the greatest care that must be taken is to avoid rights or blessings that could feed this confusion. So, I mean, so far, so I like far, it. Yeah. He I like says it too. marriage is one man, one woman as a union. And he said certain blessings or rights that would be given that would confuse that reality right. should be avoided. Mm -hmm. I, this is good. It is good. So it Father Razo and I, we were totally in agreement with Archbishop Fernandez here. Yeah, so Everything far. he said in the interview is good. Right. Now let's take a okay. your left. Okay, I quote. Now, if a blessing is given in such a way that it does not cause that confusion, it will have to be analyzed and confirmed. As you, um, okay, that's it. So it would have to be analyzed and confirmed. So here's the problem. Um, first, he's saying that we should not create any confusion. We have to avoid uh, this kind of blessing. But then he says, he seems to say, something different he seems to um that it seems like like he's leaving the door open to these kinds of kind of blessings because he says if a blessing is given in such a way that it does not cause that confusion so my question is how can you bless a same-sex couple without creating confusion i just I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And he's saying something that I've heard Pope Francis say, and that is um, when he was talking about the legalization of homosexuality, he's saying, no, matrimony is, a, is one man and one woman. That's Adam and Eve. That's the ideal. But we can also adapt. We'll see this in the letter that he wrote, Pope Francis to Fernandez. We can also evolve, adapt rituals, liturgies, and blessings that are blessing realities that aren't matrimony, a sexual union between a man and a woman, but entail sexual union amongst people who aren't that married there. And that blessing is okay and should be approved. Yeah. It, so do y'all see how this is going down? They're not saying we want to have sacramental gay marriages. This is an incrementalist approach. They're saying we're going to have sacrament of matrimony. And then we're going to have another set of books where we can bless same-sex unions. Without creating confusion. It, I cannot understand that. For it's them, just, for me, it creates confusion. It does. It does. Yeah. 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 And um, 
I would like to uh, share with you also one other question he was asked before that question I just read. And it, the question is, in your letter to the faithful to the Archdiocese of La Plata, your statement that the Holy Office even tortured and killed generated controversy. Do you reiterate it? Here is his response. In that letter I said that not everything was like that, but we cannot deny that there were tortures and deaths. We know that this cannot be judged with current criteria. I reiterated it in a journalistic interview. But what is wrong is wrong, and I defend objective morality. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, it, it is good to hear that. Uh, I continue. Yeah. If historical conditioning can reduce guilt, and this must be considered in our judgments, we cannot deny that it was objectively, objectively bad. We also know that other courts, uh, meaning, I think, civil courts uh, or judicial courts of the time, were much more cruel and immoral than the Catholic Church, even those of other Christian denominations. But what is wrong is wrong. That's his response. So to me, it seems that he has a different approach when he's talking about the sins of the church right, from the past. And now he's talking about the sins of the people yes. of this time. You know, he has a different approach. You know, right. if, when he's criticizing the church in the past, he says, what is wrong is wrong. Right. You know? And okay. he, he uses he's the word clear. objective. Objective Objective morality, morality objective evil. Yeah, so I wish he used that expression when he's talking about homosexual unions. You know, he, I yeah. wish he mentioned objective morality. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I would like to hear also a clear statement of what is wrong is wrong. Right. Uh, so, uh, because um, if he's saying that we can find a way, we might find a way to bless these couples without creating confusion. No, I don't know how this can be done, but yeah, if you have two lesbians wearing a wedding dress or one of them in a wedding dress and one of them in a coat and tails and a top hat and fathers up there blessing them to them, they not, may not be confused, but to everybody else, that's a big confusion. It is a big confusion. And also, you know, for the couple, because, um, they are committing a grave sin, you know, before the eyes of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, we priests are called to bring souls to God. You know, our call is to, to preach the truth with clarity and charity to sinners and bring them, you know, invite them to convert from their sins, get closer to God in a, repent their sins and receive God's mercy. That's our mission because we are here to save souls. That's the most important thing. We're not here to make people happy in this life. You know, we're here to bring souls to heaven, lead souls to heaven. So uh, if I bless a sinful union, even if no one else is there, you know, 
only that couple and, uh, and me, the priest. You know, I am confusing those people yeah. by giving them my blessing. I am confusing them because I, I, I'm not, not telling them the truth that could lead them to heaven. Uh, so I don't think there is a way to do these blessings without creating confusion. I just... So, Father Rosal, I've seen one priest on Twitter, and, and I've heard this elsewhere. Every human is in the image of God and has dignity. Okay? Yeah. Therefore, if two men are really, really, really close friends, in that they share a bed, but they're friends, a priest giving them a blessing together, I mean, they're both humans in the image of God, so there's nothing wrong with that. I've heard that argument made. So the counter would be, tell me if you think this is fair. Is like, let's say me and Bubba Smith enter into a partnership. We form an LLC. And the purpose of our LLC is to defraud people of their money. We have these schemes and these ways, right? A pyramid scheme or something like that, right? Well, we can't come to you father, a priest, and say, hey, I'm in the image of God. Bubba Smith's in the image of God. We want you to bless our thing. <laughs> because our thing is established on mortal sin, defrauding people of money, Yeah, right? So, yes, we are, have dignity as creatures of, you know, in the image and likeness of God. But the, the basis of our union is evil. So if you have two people and the basis of their identity and union is sexual and not according to the teachings of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it can't just be, oh, these are close friends getting a blessing. No. Because the blessing includes the blessing of the lifestyle. Right. And the blessing of the, the goal of that relationship. You know, what is the goal? What, uh, you know, uh, so... Well, they would just say, you know, we're dog breeders and we like to drive Subarus. I don't know, you know. But if that relationship, you know, a Christian, a real Christian friendship cannot include sin. Yes. Otherwise, it is not a Christian friendship. Yeah, if you're getting drunk with your buddies, it's not yeah. a Christian friendship. No, it's not. So, because friendship, according to Aristotle, is willing the good of the other. Right. So if, I, if you're my friend, Father, you're going to will my good. If I'm getting drunk, you can say, Taylor, you know, you shouldn't be getting no, drunk. That's being a friend. But even if we talk about a heterosexual couple, one man and one woman, they are not married in the church, So, but they live just like any other marriage couple, married couple. So They're copulating. They're committing a sin. Yeah. You know, they're fornicating or committing adultery. So, uh, of course, they are God's children if they are baptized. They have their dignity. But we cannot, we cannot bless that union because, because that union includes sin. And it's sinful itself. Yeah. So, let's say there is um, someone who's, let's say they're heterosexual. Uh, it's a guy. He's a player. He's around with the women. And so, so he's in mortal sin. You as a priest are somewhat aware of that. And he says, Father, I'm going on a long road trip. My grandma died. 
can I have a traveling blessing? You would give the blessing. Yeah. Because the blessing is for his traveling. And, right? uh, and to travel is not a sin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, make a trip. Exactly. But if it was somehow a blessing that incorporated, you know, his three girlfriends that he alternatively spends the night with, then the blessing cannot happen. No. I mean, this makes sense. This is philosophically sound. Yeah, there is no way a priest, uh, a good priest, can bless sin. Yeah. This is what not if there's a bunch of football players, they're all mortal sinners, party guys, and they're like, Father, will you give us a blessing before we go play the Super Bowl? Yeah, I can bless Yes. Them. Yeah. Because the blessing is to win the plays their job, mm-hmm. their, vo- their, their monetary vocation. They're not saying, hey, will you bless us so that we can get with a lot of women tonight? Then you would say no. No. So this is called, in, in philosophy, this is called teleology. Teleology. Teleology right. is from the Greek word telos, which means goal, goal, finish line, destination. So very much when you're doing moral theology, the teleology of the action is a very important part of whether a moral act is evil or good. A great example is, if I, if I cut you, open your stomach with a knife on, in a back alley, that's evil because I'm trying to kill you and take your wallet. But if I'm in scrubs and I'm in a surgical room and you've paid me to do a surgery and remove a cancer out of your stomach and I cut open your stomach, that's actually a morally good idea. Why? The teleology of one was to murder you and get your money. The second one, the teleology was to save your life and remove the cancer. And when we look at these blessings, we have to have this philosophical, what's the word here? Certainty of what is the teleology of the thing being blessed. Yeah. And when it comes to any sexual relationship that doesn't have its teleology based on the good, the true, and the beautiful Ten Commandments, Catholic moral theology... No bless. Yeah, it is true. It is true. So you, we have to look at, at the object of the, you know, the action itself and also the intention. That would be probably uh, what you're saying, the teleology, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. So we also have this uh, letter from yeah. Pope Francis. From the Pope. Uh, it was uh, from 1st of July, 2023. Yep, so six days ago. Six days ago, you know, when he appointed uh, Archbishop Fernandez Prefect of the Dicastery for the, uh, the Doctrine of Faith. Mm. Want me to read some Yeah, I mean, or, or I read it. I read it this morning. Comment. You told me about it last night at dinner. I read it this morning. And there's no way this is just like Pope Francis writing his pen pal, Archbishop Fernandez, with some encouragement. This is meant to be an open letter to the world. I think so. Yeah, yeah. this this was published that's very clear, to sort of you know? set the stage. I think Pope Francis knew that Archbishop Fernandez is a very controversial appointment. It it meets his goals. It meets Pope Francis's teleology by making a mess and bringing in someone who's very progressive, very liberal, very open to evolving Catholic morality. And so I think he knew it would be controversial, and therefore he issued this open letter and then immediately we had Archbishop Fernandez write his his defense 
of himself on the poem I just read and on the book that he wrote, this one right here. So they were doing damage control as soon as it came out because I knew they they knew they needed to do damage control. Yeah, probably. Yeah. They knew this they was knew. red meat. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's jump into this. This is uh, July first, and it's Pope Francis writing to Archbishop Fernandez. Yeah, the Pope says, uh, "Dear brother, as the new prefect of the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith, I entrust to you a task." that I consider very valuable. It is central purpose, its central purpose is to guard the teaching that flows from the faith in order to give reasons for our hope, but not as an enemy who critiques and condemns. That's an interesting expression. Yeah, so at the very beginning, enemy is defined as critiques, critiques and condemns. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to kind of set the tone for the rest. Yeah. The dicastery over which you will preside in other times came to use immoral methods. I would like us to hear some clarification, you know, about uh, the Pope is talking about whom? About Ratzinger? About uh, all people who, who worked in this dicastery in the past or He's talking, is he talking about a specific time yeah. of the history of the church? So what do you think? Well, Pope Francis, as a son of the Second Vatican Council, is an expert in ambiguity. So that's what he's doing here. He's letting you fill in what you want it to be. My sense, having read so much of what Pope Francis has written, my sense is Pope Francis is saying, everything before our epic of Vatican II was immoral. The Holy Office, which becomes the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, which is now being called Dicastery for Doctrine of the Faith, all those before us were somehow morally below us. We now have the high road. You know, as a priest who loves the church, uh, it causes me pain to you know, to hear these words, you know, that mm -hmm. uh, in other times, uh, this dicastery used immoral methods. What kind of immoral methods? And uh, who used those immoral methods? Because if you if you do not clarify what you're saying, you, you, you don't say things clearly, you know, then you create a lot of, a lot of confusion. Yeah. You know, we have the enemies of the church attacking the church saying that the church has been always bad, a yes. bad institution, you know, mm -hmm. full of bad people. So now we have the Pope saying that this dicastery, which used to be called the, the Holy Office, because the goal, the teleology of the, the uh, Holy Office is to keep, to, to uh, protect the deposit of faith. That's a very holy office. Yeah. But now... We have the Pope saying that people who worked in this office used immoral methods without any more specification. Yeah, I mean, it's like it when you come into a company, you take over a company, and you have a staff meeting, and you say, you know, your old bosses before we came around were immoral. Yeah, it doesn't... It, it sets a tone for you 
to be morally superior. So what they're about to do is a bunch of moral maneuvers at the Synod, and they're positioning themselves in this open letter to say, we are morally superior than all those meanie doctrinal people who used to critique heresy for centuries and centuries and centuries. Yeah. We're the nice guys. We're the moral guys. We're the, we're the springtime. You know, we're the ones that Jesus loves. All the other ones before in those other centuries, not good. They never understood what Jesus uh, came to teach right. to the world. You know, yeah. they never understood faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is very sad to hear that. Uh, so let me continue. He says, uh, those were times when rather than promoting theological knowledge, possible doctrinal errors were pursued. What I expect from you is certainly something very different. So can you imagine uh, the authority, the civil authority, uh, you know, talking to policemen and telling them, please do not persecute criminals. Yes. You know, just, just talk. Your mission yeah. is to talk about uh, being good citizens and yeah, that's right. it. You know, yeah, what you please, used to do, I'm not, I'm not appointing you to what people used to do. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a new holy office. Just like you have a new mass and a new canon law <laughs> and a new rosary and a new every new breviary, now the holy office is new. He says, "I I expect from you what I expect from you is certainly very different." So this is a new time. And you know the the, the mission of the Pope, it is. Uh, he is. Um, Custos, you know, the, the one who guards the deposit of faith. Yes. And uh, holy office is there to help the Pope in this mission, you know, to keep the whole deposit of faith, to make sure that uh, we don't do not include new doctrines in this deposit of faith, to make sure that we do not lose any doctrine. Uh, So you cannot do that. You cannot protect the faith if we do not if we, you do not condemn errors. Yeah. Error is not a good. You know, error is bad for our intelligence. You know, our intelligence is created for truth. What is not true is bad for our intelligence, for our reason. So <clears throat> Yeah, I don't understand also why the Pope said that. Um, yeah. So I expect from you, what I expect from you is certainly something very different. So I, it is He's not clear to me. He's preparing us for a revolution. He's preparing us for a revolution. Hopefully not, but I'm afraid that you, you might be right. Yeah. And um, let's skip that next paragraph. What do you think about the one that says given, given that for disciplinary matters, I'll read, I'll read that one. Given he's Pope Francis says, given that for disciplinary matters, especially related to the abuse of minors, a specific section has recently been created with very competent professionals. I asked you as prefect to dedicate your personal commitment more directly to the main purpose of the dicastery 
which is keeping the faith. So I think this was just Pope Francis giving a commercial to the world because during the time of Ratzinger and even after when Ratzinger was Pope Benedict XVI, the the dicastery for the doctrine of faith, Congregation Doctrine of Faith, yes, it monitored doctrine, dogma, but it also was overseeing uh, pedophilia cases, molestation cases. And it seems, so like Ratzinger was overseeing that when he was there. It doesn't seem appropriate for that office to be dealing with that. It has to be dealt with, but it doesn't seem like that's the proper place. And so that has been modified. And I think it's a good modification. And I think Pope Francis is letting everyone know, hey, you Archbishop Fernandez, kissy kiss, heal me with your mouth. You're not going to be over the molestation cases as it was in the past. Yeah. Do me. It's just interesting. I don't, it, yeah. do, it doesn't, it's not good or bad. I just think it's interesting. And, and I'm, and Francis brought it up and it's worth people knowing about. Well, I really prefer to see the prefect of the, this dicastery, uh, you know, more busy with the, keeping the faith. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a positive development. Yeah. I think so. Though it's interesting, you know, I read the biography by uh, Roberto de Matei on Pius V. He actually moved sodomy, the sin of priestly sodomy, homosexuality. Uh, he changed it in the canon law so that uh, a priest committing sodomy was filed under heresy, which would put him under the holy office, which would put him liable to the death penalty. So Pope Saint, Pope Saint Pius V made that modification. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It is interesting. And now we're told that sodomy is not a sin and the death penalty is no longer admissible. Apparently Pius V didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I better laugh because I don't yeah, want to cry. cry. <laughs> All yeah. right. So what else does Pope Francis say here? Okay, in Father. order okay, you go ahead. No, yeah. Okay, in order not to limit the significance of this task, it should be added that it is a matter of increasing the understanding and transmission of the faith in the service of evangelization so that its light may be a criterion for understanding the meaning of existence, especially in the face of the questions posed by the progress of the sciences and the development of society. These issues incorporated in a renewed proclamation of the gospel message become tools of evangelization because they allow us to enter into conversation with our present situation, which is in many ways unprecedented in the history of humanity. Well, I have to agree with these last words, you know. We are living in an unprecedented situation in the history of humanity, because what, what is going on right now is that nations who used to be Catholic, they are not Catholic anymore. People, you know, thousands, millions of people who used to have the Catholic faith, they don't have this faith anymore. No, we saw that in Portugal. Portugal. We saw that in Spain. Right. We certainly saw that in France. Yeah, and we can see that also in Latin America. Yes. Yeah. People are, are leaving the Catholic Church or 
they just don't practice the faith anymore. You know, they call themselves themselves Catholics, but they just don't know anything about Catholic doctrine. They they don't practice their faith. Yeah. I'm not saying that they are guilty for that, but it is that's a reality, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are living in an unprecedented uh, time in the history of humanity. That's true. Mm-hmm. When I read that paragraph that you just read, I noticed that there were three footnotes in that paragraph. Yeah. And so I looked them up and all three footnotes (laughs) of the citations that Pope Francis makes there are citations of himself in previous things he's written. Yeah. Am I wrong on that? And I think uh, I'm trying to look at the footnotes, notes, right? But uh, it is, yeah. Yeah. There is only one note, one, uh, one, from a document yes from the before ITC. 2013 about about infants in limbo yeah yeah but other than that he's citing himself and the thing that kind of jumped at me is he 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 cites himself on becoming tools of evangelization and when i when i first read that even before i knew he was quoting himself i just saw i was like what a strange way of putting things cuz i would imagine if you were in the Petrine office of St. Peter, the language that Jesus gave to Peter is, you are fishers of men. Yeah. And that implies, if you've ever been fishing, either in the deep sea with nets or with fishing rods, there's quite a bit of work, knowledge, um, especially if you're, if you're using lures, learning how to lure in the fish and and bring the fish aboard and then process that fish you know so that is the real evangelical biblical mode i I don't understand why he's getting rid of this old language of fishers of men and go and becoming tools of evangelization i don't know it's just like everything has to be modernized updated new why can't we just use why can't we cite the Bible or cite the words of Jesus. Why does Pope Francis cite himself? It's like a circular. Then another interesting question would be, what is evangelization? Mm. You know, it's dialogue, right? It is just a dialogue. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but it, uh, because what I understand uh, for evangelization, and I think that is what the church has always understood are, uh, you know, it is clarified in the words of our Lord when he said, go and make all nations yeah. my disciples, yes. baptize them, and mm-hmm. teach them to keep my commandments. Yes, I think that's evangelization. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Evangelization is the good news. The good news. The good news implies there's some bad news. <laughs> the right. bad news is... We're sinners. We're born outside the Garden of Eden. We have original sin. We have concupiscence, and our destination is hell. Right. The good <laughs> news is God sent His only begotten Son to be propitiation for us and to open up the gates of heaven in a way that He established. So that's, I mean, the gospel is always good news, but you know, if you don't talk about the bad, you know, it's kind of like saying, well, the bad news is you have cancer. The good news is it's stage one and we have very successful treatment for this kind of cancer. You're going to be happy. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Because the flip side of that is death. Yeah. So even the, the word mercy only makes sense if there is a chastisement, a punishment. Exactly. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to talk about mercy. No. Mm. Let's see. If what else did Pope Francis say to Archbishop Fernandez? Well, he said, um, moreover, you know that the church grows in her interpretation of the revealed word and in her understanding of truth without this implying the imposition of a single way of expressing it. For deferring currents of thought in philosophy, theology, and pastoral practice, if open to being reconciled by the Spirit in respect and love, can enable the Church to grow. This harmonious growth will preserve Christian doctrine more effectively than any control mechanism. I don't like that. I don't like that either. Because what is he trying to say um, um, when he writes without this implying the imposition of a single way of expressing it? Uh, That's not Catholic. You know, I was thinking about um, dogmatic definitions. You know, when the church makes a dogmatic definition, the, the mother church has... Or he try, she tries to speak as clear as possible. You know, the church chooses the best words to communicate revealed truth. So, <clears throat> but when you say that um, there is no single way of, of expressing the faith, I can agree with that uh, because, for example, I can say... Well, I'm going to talk to little kids about the Mass. I don't want to use the word transubstantiation because it might be too difficult for them to understand. But I can say uh, the truth about um, transubstantiation with other words. I can say, okay, the bread after the consecration, it is not bread anymore. It is the body of Christ, but the species of the bread remain, you know. But uh, what if I say, well, I don't like that word, transubstantiation, and I want to use the word transsignification, you know, because we, we don't need they, one single way of expressing the faith. Mm-hmm. So, again, it is ambiguous. It is, you know, it leaves the door open for confusion, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, look at our creed. When the Arian debate was happening in the 300s, the Orthodox came together and they said amongst the Catholics, we're going to use the word homoousion, same substance, consubstantial, and that's going to define the substance, the ousia of the Father and of the Son, and of course the Holy Ghost as well. At that time, the Arians and the semi-Arians, who were the lightweight Arians, who were kind of trying to be between the Arians and the Orthodox, they said, you know, we don't need to use that word in the creed. There's different ways of discussing this. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to push that one word, which isn't even in the Bible, you yeah. know, why don't we be a little bit more lax in the way that we express it? That was the argument of the semi-Arians. And the Catholic Church said, no. 
The word is homoousion. If you don't want to say it, you're not a Catholic. You're excommunicated. You don't have the Catholic faith. You do not have the Catholic faith. You are outside the church. This whole idea that Pope Francis is saying here is that uh, you need to be against a single way of expressing something is not orthodox. That wasn't uh, very pastoral, according to the mind of some people <laughs> right. in the church to, yes. you know, today. And, and it's happened over and over. Like, the word Trinity is what we use. Right. You know, if you're like, well, I want to use the word triformic. <laughs> no, you can't. The word is Trinity. That's what, that's what the Catholic Church teaches. Now, the Fourth Lateran Council in the year 1215 said all the words we use in, in theology— There is an analog there. So when we say transubstantiation, it is an accurate linguistic description of what happens in the miracle of the consecration, but it is not comprehensive. So when we talk about transubstantiation, it captures the reality of it. But we know that because our language is limited, it doesn't capture comprehensively 100% the entire mystery because our words are weak, are finite. So the Fourth Lateran Council says, yes, we don't always have a comprehensive way of defining a mystery of the faith, but we do have ways of defining the faith that are dogmatic and non-revocable. Right, right. And uh, the problem, you know, if, uh, is that some theologians may like these words from the Pope because they understand that They can say whatever they want, mm-hmm. and uh, it should may not be a problem, you know. Yeah, or let's create just, more confusion. How about the word blessing? There's, if we say Pope Francis says there's not a single way of expressing, that's his words, not a single way of expressing blessing. So now we're going to start molding the word blessing. We have nuptial blessing for a man and a woman matrimony, and now we have these nine other blessings. <laughs> we have blessing uh, that create confusion, and yes. we have blessings that not create confusion, does not create confusion. And then the other problem here is he says, uh, differing currents of thought in philosophy, theology, and pastoral practice, if open to being reconciled by the Spirit in respect and love, what does this even mean? Does this mean if I take the current philosophy at most college campuses, If I take that, which is a degenerate philosophy, and I, I, I take it, but I, it's, oh, I'm open and it's open to being reconciled by the spirit and respect and love, we're going to start but using that? How can you reconcile a philosophy that contradicts another philosophy or theology that contradicts another theology? How, how do you reconcile a philosophy that begins with its very first bedrock, there is no God? Yeah, that's secular philosophy. So how can you take the modern currents of secular philosophy and say, well, by the Holy Spirit, it's open to being reconciled? I don't think the Holy Spirit, and I know the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit cannot reconcile error with truth. There is no way. No. No, because he's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth. He brings... He's not the spirit of error. And if there's a commingling <laughs> of error and truth, he's going to lift the truth out and leave the error behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really don't understand what the Pope tried to say with these words. Yeah, and he ends with this harmonious growth 
will preserve Christian doctrine more effectively than any control mechanism. Uh, the Catholic Church has had control mechanisms from day one. I mean, the, I mean, let's talk about the keys of the kingdom. What are keys open? Locks. Locks are mechanisms, right? The whole idea of key and lock. That's a mechanism. That's a mechanism <laughs> for ensuring orthodoxy. So the very example, the very words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on safekeeping dogma was literally the language of mechanism, key and lock. And it's, you know, what I think, it, it's not about control. It is about being faithful to God. It is about mm -hmm. uh, the good of souls, you know, right. uh, eternal destiny of souls. So yeah. it's not about controlling, you know, authority in the church. You know, the, the goal of authority in the church is not to control people, but to lead people to God, yeah. to eternal life. So, uh, yeah, I really don't like this expression. I, I think this is the worst paragraph. Probably. Unless you got something worse, but I think that's... <laughs> Hopefully Well, not. no, the next, the next paragraph is actually really bad, too. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, yeah, okay, so let's, I'll read this one. It is good, says Pope Francis, for your task expresses that the church encourages the charism of theologians and their scholarly efforts as long as they are not content with desk-bound theology with a cold and harsh logic that seeks to dominate everything. It will always be true that reality is superior to the idea. In this sense, we need theology to be attentive to a fundamental criterion, to consider that all theological notions that ultimately call into question the very omnipotence of God and his mercy in particular are inadequate. And he's like, he quotes himself here, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Now, let me right. show that might be the other one he doesn't quote. Now, that's the one where he quotes ITC in 2007. Okay. With the revision of Limbo, which I have problems with. Um, he says, we need a way of thinking which can convincingly present a God who loves, forgives, saves, liberates, who promotes people and calls them to a fraternal service. So here he's saying the idea that you have theologians who are like Thomas Aquinas uh, producing a summa theologiae, a book theology, is no longer the way. It's cold, it's harsh, it's logical, it seeks to dominate everything. And now there's a new criterion, says Pope Francis. All theological notions that ultimately call into question the very omnipotence of God, his mercy in particular, are inadequate. So he's saying that old summa theologiate theology, not good. What we need, anything that promotes the omnipotence of God and his mercy, that's what you want. Yeah, but if you want to talk about God's justice... Not good. It's not on the list. Not good. If you want to talk about... Um, hell. Hell, personal judgment. Purgatory, temporal punishment, justice. Penance. Penance. <laughs> uh, these things are not on the list. What's on the list is omnipotence of God and his mercy in particular, which sounds like who? Pope Francis. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems that Our Lady of Fatima 
Yeah, no, has a different idea of God. When she says penance, 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 I guess it's the angel that says that penance, penance, penance. Yeah, conversion, repent. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like that he says, you know, we need to focus on a God who loves, forgives, and saves and liberates. Mm -hmm. Yes, I just wanted him to say saves from what and liberates from what. And how, Economic situations. how does he save us? How? Yeah. You know, right. Because uh, if, when, if we want to be saved, saved we, we have to take our cross, take up our cross yeah. and follow Jesus. That's right. And that is not easy. That is right. not nice. But we have to do that. Right. Right. Mm. Okay, so let's finish up here. Here's the end of, of the letter of Pope Francis to Archbishop Fernandez. What can we glean here? I think the last paragraph, you want to read the last, yeah, in the horizon? Yeah, the last one. Yeah. In the horizon of this richness, your task also implies a special care to verify that the documents of your own dicastery and of the others have an adequate theological support, are coherent with the rich humus of the perennial teaching of the church, and at the same time, take into account the recent magisterium. What's the key word in that paragraph? The recent, the recent magisterium. magisterium. He wants yeah. you to make sure that everything is doctrinally coherent with the recent magisterium, meaning his own, which he's footnoting throughout this whole. Yeah, I, I would prefer to hear that we have to uh, be coherent with the the whole tradition of the church. With the with the perennial magisterium. Perennial with, magisterium. With the unbroken magisterium. Not the recent. See, everything, see, it's, ever since Vatican II, it's good. Everything before is bad. That's this. I think it would be fair to ask this question. Is the recent magisterium different than the perennial magisterium? Very Father Rosso. Is there yes. any important difference? If they're different, he clearly thinks they're different because he he's privileging the recent. Yeah. The old one's broken. Immoral means the recent magisterium, which is the magisterium of Francis. Well, I, I honestly, I don't have, I, I think I don't have to accept uh, that idea of magisterium, that recent magisterium, like no. uh, separated from or different. There's from one magisterium. The perennial magisterium. Yeah, there's one. That's and if he's saying there's the recent and then there's the old, well, I'm going to choose the old. I want too. the magisterium closer to Jesus. <laughs> right. Which is the older Me one. Me too. Yeah. Me too. You know, with all respect to the Pope, um, I can say that I, I don't agree with him. And because... He's, he's just uh, telling us his opinion, mm -hmm. his personal opinion, but, it, you know, that's yeah. his idea of magisterium. Yeah. All right, to wrap up here on uh, what's going to happen at the Synod, I got to get you to the airport so we can't talk too long. Uh, first off, I want to say, like this video, share this video, and subscribe to Father Razo's, way over here, <laughs> uh, subscribe to his YouTube channel and podcast, Conservando La Fe. Um, do you think that Francis and Archbishop Fernandez and all of these usual suspects are going to pull the trigger and go on for same-sex unions? We've been seeing it ever since the Synod on Family. They've been angling it. They're already doing it in Germany and other places, will they make it official? 
I hope not. I really hope not, but I cannot be sure, you know. Uh, but this is a time in which we have to pray a lot for the church. You know, the church belongs only to God. It doesn't belong to the Pope. It doesn't belong to any bishop or ecclesiastical authority. It it doesn't belong to us. It belongs only to the Lord, to God. Jesus, our Lord, is the head of the church. And uh, we're not going anywhere else because this is the only one church of Christ. So we're going to remain here. We're going to be faithful to what the church has always taught. And uh, we're going to fight for tradition. And we have to wait until the Lord, you know, he's going to take care of his church. We can be sure of that. We just have to um, pray, do do only what is in, in our hands to help the church uh, learn our faith, uh, keep the commandments, Teach the faith. If, if, you, if you're a father, you're a mother, you teach the faith to your children. That's what you have to do. And, you know, make your family a real Catholic family. Find a good parish. Find a good priest. Thank God we have so many good priests. We still have so many good priests. You know, loyal to Jesus, uh, good priest. So find a good priest Find a good um, liturgy. If you have traditional mass close to your area, you go to traditional mass. If you don't have a traditional mass, you you know find you know find the best liturgy you you have in your area. And uh, but pray, make penance, fast for the church. You know we still have how many months until October? From here to October is. Uh, Three and a half. Well, we still have three and a half months to pray and fast for our mother church. And uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he's the soul of the church. He's going to protect the church also, the Holy Spirit. But we don't have to be confused. Not everything that the uh, church authorities say is... uh, the word of the Holy Spirit. And especially, you know, in this synodal process, we have to know that not everything that the people is saying comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit has uh, spoken to us very clearly through Holy Scriptures and tradition. So we have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I need to take your airport. Will you please give us your blessing? Sure, sure. Dominus Boviscum, et cum spiritu tuo. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Filius Spiritus Sancti, descendat super vos et maniat semper. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Father Juan Ronzo. Uh, excellent priest. Please follow him on YouTube. Excellent podcast, uh, reaching out, making, making a big impact in the Spanish-speaking world and the English-speaking world. And until next time, remember our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless everyone. Happy First Friday.